I think there's an old school mentality of this fear-based type of interview style of, hey, what have you done? And, you know, putting people a little bit on the defensive. And, you know, that is long in the past. Obviously, let's talk about what you've accomplished, where you want to go next, and positioning the opportunity for around what they want. And people are looking for great leadership. They're looking for growth. They're looking for opportunities to, to make money. But at the same time, it really is about that human to human connection. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast, here to help go to market leaders do one thing stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your potential, then this show is for you. I'm Sheena Badani. And I'm Devin Reed, coming to you from the Gong Studios. Sales and recruiting have a lot in common. It's about mutual fit, connecting on a personal level, and making sure the timing is just right. That's exactly why we invited Carolyn Betts, CEO and founder of Betts Recruiting, to join us. And we really enjoyed hearing how passionate she is about finding that mutual fit in the hiring process. Carolyn shared some of her insights on recruiting and retaining top sales talent, managing expectations in return-to-work conversations, and how go-to-market leaders can help influence the employee experience, even when they're not the ones calling the shots. So you are the CEO and founder of Bets Recruiting. For anyone who hasn't put one-on-one together, that's your last name. Uh, but could you tell us a little bit about your role and specifically the problem that Bets Recruiting solves? I founded the company about 12 years ago. And uh, so now I work mostly externally in the company. We have uh, our COO that runs all the day-to-day operations. And uh, we work with growth stage, mostly, mostly growth stage technology companies to help them build their go-to-market teams. So providing access to talent and data and you know, the people's experiences uh, that they had prior to uh, introducing them. And, you know, really helping these companies build the right team to uh, build revenue, which is, you know, kind of the goal for most companies. Betts works with mostly growth stage technology companies to build their go-to-market teams, sales, marketing, customer success. We have our incumbent services business and also our SaaS business that allows companies to log in, access our entire talent pool, all of the data. And we also integrate with other tools like Greenhouse and Lever uh, so people can kind of keep it within their own organization once they meet up with the talent. Very cool. I'm very familiar with Bets Recruiting and my career at growth companies. So I had heard of you before. So I'm excited I get to meet meet the boss, uh, the, the person behind it all. And the topic we're going to talk about today is probably, Sheena, top of mind for every revenue leader year round, I'm going to go ahead and say, which is attracting and retaining top sales talent. So maybe to kick things off, I'd love to hear from you, Carolyn. What what is the current state of the talent market? Right, I'm hearing the great resignation. Every time I open up like a newsletter, there's a new stat of like more people are leaving their jobs. What's the current state? What are you hearing and seeing? 2020. I mean, now we're in 2022, but I, it's hard to talk about where we are today without uh, reviewing what happened, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of companies put hiring on pause. Many companies did layoffs. So talent, if you had a job, a lot of people stayed put. And then as, you know, things have really opened up. So a lot of companies put 
most companies put things on pause. Uh, and then going into 2021, people had to make up for lost time. Not only that, but they wanted to double down. So even more than making up for lost time, but now is the time to grow. This is here to stay. And companies are <laughs> realizing uh, their investors and stakeholders uh, expect growth. And how do they grow? Obviously, there's product-led growth. But a lot of it involves bringing in sales, marketing, uh, customer success people, and they're behind. Uh, at the same time, talent is seeing what's happening in the market, realizing they have lots of options. And so this, you know, marketplace dynamic is, you know, frothy with opportunity and people are wanting to take advantage of that, which makes it even more challenging for companies because not only are they trying to, you know, hire and get more people on board, but they're also having to manage their existing talent group and, you know, make sure that they're retaining them and that they're offering an environment that people want to be at. So I just hired someone. He actually starts today. And it, uh, so I'm very, you know, shout out to Chris. I'm very excited for Chris. It's always challenging to hire, right? I don't think any, any leaders like, no, hiring is super easy. And, you know, we always get it right. That That's pretty obvious. I've also been hearing, though, and kind of experiencing, Carolyn, like people are saying it's harder than ever to hire, right? Is that really true? Is that kind of just a perception? Is it maybe a reflection of the history you just shared? A little bit. I don't know if it's harder than ever to hire. It's tough, right? It depends on your environment. Right. And, you know, we've found that companies that have a really great talent brand that uh, have a, a great dialed interview process um, are able to get the hires on board. I think what happens is leaders have a lot on their plate, right? They have these hiring goals and they also have their existing teams. And so the time allocation to interviewing, hiring, and then also you know, making sure that they're hitting the targets that are set in front of them with their existing team. So a lot of it is really a balance. And you know, so what we're recommending is dialing in your process, having it value that you provide to talent in the market. Why would they want to come work there? Figuring out exactly who needs to be involved in that process, setting it forward, you know, immediately with talent as you're speaking to them about the opportunity and you know which is really interesting in terms of what y'all are doing over at gong uh, with leveraging your technology for interviewing because I, I think it's a lot more about the efficiency and selling vetting balance and dynamic uh, to make it easier for leaders to spend less time and hire better uh, and more efficient processes maybe you could talk a little bit more about that vetting selling balance? Like, what does that actually mean? And where does it currently stand that balance in the market today? I believe that if you're going to be interviewing somebody, you should like understand what their background is. And most of the time going into it, there's a certain, you, you see their background and you understand that this person is likely a good fit for the, the company. And I think there's an old school mentality of this fear-based type of interview style of, hey, what have you done? And, you know, putting people a little bit on the defensive. And, you know, that is long in the past. And so the leaders that get on the meeting, you know, talk to the talent, the person, the candidate, whatever we want to call them about what they're looking for. You know, what are you looking for in your next opportunity? Obviously, let's talk about what you've accomplished, where you want to go next, and positioning the opportunity around what they want. And people are looking for great leadership. They're looking for growth. Um, they're looking for opportunities to, to make money. But at the same time, it really is about that human-to-human -human connection of, okay, if I, Devin, just hired Chris, 
Now, I, I imagine that Devin, when he was talking to Chris about coming over to Gong, he, you know, got Chris really excited about working with Devin. And what does that opportunity look like? And why do I love working at Gong? Why have I worked here for so long? How did I end up landing here? And really painting a picture for them versus, okay, let's go through this. And then, you know, in sales specifically, a lot of interviewing is going through, you know, how you hit numbers and deal cycles and, you know, all of those things, which is important to vet, but less important than getting people on board with your vision for where you're taking your part of your organization. Are you, are you stole the well, I shouldn't say stole the word vision because you said it before me, but I was going to say it sounds like it's more about vision and opportunity forward than it is kind of grilling about past experience. Exactly. Right. You get on a meeting with somebody and they're grilling you. <laughs> You're like, ah, I, what's it going to be like if I work for this person? <laughs> this is all it is in the interview. I'm, I'm not sure, especially when there's so many opportunities out there. And, and you know, Devin, I think you had mentioned it's harder now ever than ever to hire. And I think that is true in the sense because there's so much competition in the marketplace. In 2020, we had very few offers turned down. Counter offers barely existed. And then we go into this, you know, where people are receiving multiple offers and companies are coming back with more counter offers than ever. And so, you know, how are you going to, you know, get people excited about working for your company as opposed to the other ones? Perfect segue to my next question, which is I'd love to hear from you specifically like what you just said, but for sales orgs, right? So like how can organizations attract top sales talent? And maybe a good way to start would be what are top companies doing differently? Like what do you see kind of being those those X factors, if you will, that are setting certain companies apart and they're seeing more success? Well, there's a few aspects to this, right? Because you look at the company of where is this organization going? Uh, but the best companies, and I think I mentioned this earlier, they understand you know, what they're, they position their, themselves in the market for their product, service, whatever it is, but they also have their talent marketing, right? Where everyone is on board of where this company is going. They understand how to paint the picture of the vision, you know, what these opportunities look like for the talent. And so, you know, positioning themselves as a great place to work. Uh, we've found also, and, and I'm curious, you know, what, what is Gong doing in terms of uh, remote versus in office? It's a mix of both right now. Yeah, it's. I would say there's there's definitely hubs of like you know Bay Area, Chicago, but I know probably you know in the beginning of the pandemic, I think like remote retail people were pretty rare, and now I think it's like maybe more than half. Uh, obviously, we're fully remote for the moment, but I think like long term, it's I want to say it's at least at least half. Yeah, I don't know the number, but we've started to hire pretty much all over the place. Uh, with still the biggest contingent in the Bay Area, because that's kind of where we started, of course. The companies that are winning in this game have a talent forward mindset, right? And figuring out the choose your own adventure type of whether it's remote or people that want to come to an office and really building an experience for their employees in terms of also, you know, team building, professional development, all of those things. So when, you know, you come into the interview that you're able to paint the picture of what this person is going to gain from the opportunity. 
And they also have very dialed interview processes that are efficient in getting the talent through because you can have as many candidates as you want, you know, <laughs> and I was talking to the woman I spoke to last week about this. You know, we're not just trying to make our jobs easier by providing fewer candidates to our clients, but the more, you know, if you have 10 great candidates and it takes forever. They end up taking other offers and then you're like, we need more candidates. You're not really doing yourself any favors on, you know, making it on getting people through the process. So uh, yeah, it's a long answer to, but the bottom line is having a talent forward mindset for your company and making sure that people understand uh, what this opportunity is going to bring to them and that it's going to be a positive experience for them. Because uh, we all know we spend more time, you know, with our coworkers, <laughs> maybe not now that we're all virtual, but day to day. So that's really important for people to want to be at the company. And, and it's, it's a huge differentiating factor. I like the comparison of kind of a recruiting process is a lot like a sales process, right? You're, you're trying to get someone through the funnel. Obviously, you want it to be mutually beneficial. You'd mentioned, Carolyn, a couple inefficiencies maybe uh, or, you know, that people have in their process. Can you maybe call out what some of those are? I'm, I'm imagining some of our listeners might be wondering what those are and maybe how they can eliminate them from their own process to uh, streamline their hiring process. So multiple steps, like lots and lots of steps in the process. Uh, another thing that happens is if you have a set process and then they, the candidate thinks it's at the end and then there's new additional steps that are added on later. Oh, wait, now you need to talk to this person and this person. And sometimes that's okay. Hey, you know, I really want you to meet my boss. I think you guys will really hit it off. That person will be a great mentor to you at this company as opposed to I'm not really sure about you <laughs> that comes up there. So too many steps. And then also the cadence in which it happens. So momentum. You think about dating, which I, is one of my favorite things to compare to recruiting. You know, you go on a first date, right? And everyone seems to be really, or, you know, people seem to be hitting it off. And then it takes, you know, two weeks to get the next date set up. You lose momentum in that, you know, process and people start looking for other options <laughs> and having, you know, the initial Zoom goes, well, okay, let's get you on a meeting, you know, tomorrow or the next day with the next person and making sure the timeline in between steps is efficient and moves quickly. So speaking of some of these challenges, as you look into 2022, what are some of the other biggest threats that you see that really will pose a challenge to folks hitting their talent acquisition goals? Well, you know, retention is one of them, right? Because you can hire tons of people. And if you're not keeping the people that are already there, that's going to be a big challenge. And, you know, I think that companies, one of my favorites, and I posted about this on LinkedIn the other day, are these continuous, ever-changing return to office policies that uh, companies are, hey, you know, and the amount of effort that people are putting into these uh, return to office strategies where, Nobody really knows. I have lots of friends that are, you know, work for companies that every month are rolling out their new return to office strategy. And every time the employees get this, they're like, what is going on here? I don't know if I want to go back. Why are they spending so much time? And it's like, it, it makes people scared about what's going to happen. And do I have to go back to an office? I've gotten really comfortable working from home. And so 
that's going to be a big challenge, right? Of like managing your existing talent so they see the value long term and that they understand what what that employee experience is going to be like and the opportunity for them there. And then the other challenge, so I think that's the biggest thing because with hiring, the people that are already existing in the culture are very important in onboarding and setting up new people for success, right? And the people that are new want to look to the people that have been there for a while and still want to be with the company. And so you hire new people and they see the old ones just dropping off like flies. (laughs) And it it just, it, it proves to be very challenging for organizations. And then for, in terms of actually recruiting people, I think the, the, the talents out there. Um, another thing that I think the best companies out there are doing is not necessarily just, you know, we, we do a lot of SaaS sales, right? And a lot of our clients want people that have SaaS sales experience. And, you know, with enterprise sales specifically, that might be more important than more an SMB type of. So the companies that are looking to other pools of talent, maybe people that don't have experience in the industry that have really great training, you know, L&D programs will be a lot more successful because they're widening the pool of talent into the market. Now, some of these things that you mentioned are at the organizational level that a sales leader or go-to-market leader may not have as much control over. Like, for example, like the uh, the return to office policies. So if I was a go-to-market leader how do I balance some of these threats and these challenges around retention, around onboarding and training? What have you seen some of the greatest do? It's all about managing up. I'm going to be completely transparent. I was one of those leaders. So before COVID, we had five offices in the U.S. Everyone came in every day, Monday through Friday. You know, obviously, we had a flexible vacation policy. But you know, the expectation was that we're an in-office company. And when lockdown happened, we sent everyone home and I was constantly thinking, okay, how do we get everyone back in person? And then I realized, why do I care about this? And my team explained to me how people were feeling about it. And and I saw what was going on in the market. And we've actually, we only have one office remaining now and we have people, you know, 80 plus people throughout the country working from home. We've changed our strategy to bringing people together. And obviously I'm the CEO of the company, but I listen to my team and our employees about what they want and understand that in this market. So the leaders that are faced with, okay, I'm not really sure that these executive level decisions are the right thing for me and my team need to be louder voices to the executives of the organization and fill them in and on what bring data and to the conversation. When I saw, when I said to my CEO, I really just want people to get back in the office. He we were on Zoom and he said, why? Well, it was like a really, you know, pivotal question for me because that was how it used to be, but that's, not how we need to be moving forward. And our retention has gone through the roof since we've really created a employee-centric culture for our company. I hear flexibility coming up more and more. I, you know, I want there to be an in-person option if I want to go, but I don't want to be forced to be, which is fair. We love options, right? That's why we have Amazon and Netflix and uh, all the decision fatigue we enter into our lives. I say it kiddingly, but I think it is a good thing, right? You know, to have that that flexibility. I know here at Gong, we've experimented with some of that as well, kind of giving folks options. Hey, before we go back in full force, let's see what kind of like 
part-time or optional and see who signs up and that sort of thing. So I think, uh, and I know Sheena, I've seen you on LinkedIn kind of sharing some of this and talking about that conversation. I think each company kind of has to do a little testing, do a little surveying, kind of put some options out there and see how how it resonates with their employee base. Because every every company is a little different. Every region, of course, today is going to be even more different with the different, uh, you know, kind of COVID restrictions and whatnot. Absolutely. As we continue to talk about hiring trends, Carolyn wanted to dive into some of the trends happening around AI within the hiring process. It may seem a bit futuristic, but you'd be surprised at how prevalent it already is. According to Pandologic, 99% of Fortune 500 companies have AI tools somewhere in their hiring and recruiting process. Hilton uses it to interview clients. Starbucks and L'Oreal use chatbots to help move their recruiting communications along. There are tons of use cases for AI within the hiring process that don't necessarily automate human interactions out. Here's where Carolyn sees AI having some huge potential within recruiting and interviewing. Being able to leverage some of these listening AI tools for understanding who is most successful in the interview process of converting candidates to offers and accepting as employees and leveraging that to train other people that are involved in the interview process on how to be uh, a successful interviewer and hirer to make it far more efficient uh, because efficiency is really the name of the game in terms of having a successful hiring process. I think it's an interesting point overall that, you know, there's an opportunity to build your skill set as an interviewer. Like it is a skill and there are best practices and you can be better at it versus just showing up and asking random questions. Like what's the strategy? How does this fit into the rest of the process? And I do believe that companies that invest in that and help train their hiring managers and really nail down their process around that will be seen as differentiated in the market because they'll provide a much better experience for candidates. Absolutely. And you think about it where uh, you get on the meeting as somebody who's interviewing and the person you know, hasn't looked at your LinkedIn. They have no idea who you are. It's like, okay, hey, what? Okay, why are we on here? What are you interviewing for? <laughs> that person, and it's very simple stuff that makes a huge difference. And so creating a process at your company about what your and what everyone's role is and, and how we want to be positioning our organization and what we want to be vetting for, because a lot of people just get on and you know, they don't really have a, a and, and that also leads to less diversity within organizations, et cetera, because you end up hiring people that are like the most similar to yourself, which is really the opposite of how we should be looking at these things in this environment today. Carolyn, we ask all of our guests the final question. And despite how much we prepped you, we don't put it on the dot because I like to get that true, that true answer. See where your, where your head goes here. How would you describe sales in one word? Fun. Ooh, no hesitation. I like it. That was the first thing that came to mind. So yeah, but the pressure was on. I, I felt it. <laughs> I thought your your brow went down a little bit. It was like challenge accepted. What do you got, Devin? But not too much of a curveball. I promise no gotcha journalism uh, as we prep for these things. So <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Carolyn, thank you again for stopping by, hanging out and teaching us how to attract and retain sales talent. It means a lot to us. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. If anything Carolyn said about finding and retaining top sales talent resonated with you, head over to gong.io for more resources on just that. 
And if you like what you heard, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.